You'll do it right to celebrate July 4th by throwing a backyard barbecue. Lowe's does it right, too, with July 4th savings to help get you started. Treat yourself to a new grill and save $50 on a Charbroil Performance 5-Burner Grill, now just $279. And spruce up your landscape before guests arrive and save in-store only with five bags of premium mulch for just $10. Whatever you need to get ready for the holiday, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 710 while supplies last U.S. only. Mulch offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii. They've got a license to talk. Shocking. Positively shocking. And the words are for your ears only. I think you got the point. Welcome to The Words Are Not Enough. On episode 19 of The Words Are Not Enough, it's a Bond 25 breaking news extravaganza as we dive into the big news drop from Variety, learn who will be defining the look of Bond 25, and Griffin shares an exclusive interview with Hugo Weaving. All this and more coming your way now. Yeah, baby. <laughs> what is up, everyone? And welcome back to The Words Are Not Enough. This is our James Bond podcast where we discuss the films, the lore, the books, the games, and all that shit, the news pertaining to Bond 25, especially in today's episode. I am one of your hosts, Griffin 008 Schiller. And I am Brody 005 Cerevelli. Yeah, and this is a little little bit of an uh, an emergency news breaking news episode, right? Is that what yeah. we're calling it? That's I think that's what we're going with. Yeah, we're gonna call it like like an emergency, like you know when you get those um, emergency broadcasts. That's what this is, but for Bond twenty five. Right, right. There, there. In in no world is this like immediate information that needs to get out to the public but if you're a bond <laughs> fan then maybe it is oh, um but yeah, yeah. i we're, i mean there's been a lot of stuff that's that's dropped within the past like what what is it like 24 hours 48 hours uh honestly it's been a, it's been a bit of a trickle this whole week but it's really yeah. intensified in the last 24 hours where we, we, we've gotten like confirmations of stuff we've heard all week so yeah 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 very and, nice and, like if, if you couldn't have written it any better it's like a perfect arc <laughs> oh, it really is. It, it, kind of the way everything has kind of panned out. Yeah. And we have a, a little bit of just, just some fun information of our own that we can share. Um, right. I, I recently sat down with uh, Hugo Weaving to talk about uh, his new film, Mortal Engines. And uh, I and I asked him some questions that we'll get into a little bit later on. Nothing and nothing huge, but it was just kind of like cool to hear where he was coming from. So uh, we'll we'll get yeah. to that later on in the show. But it is it, it does pertain to Bond. So definitely uh, definitely stay tuned for that little tidbit at oh the boy. end. But uh, without further ado, Brody, let's get into this this news here. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we'll start with um, these are kind of in a, in a random order, but uh, we'll start with the. The biggest news of the day, well, not the biggest news, the, uh, I would say the second biggest news of the day, um, which came earlier this week, we got a, a reporting from Variety's uh, Christopher Tapley, and uh, he sort of suggested that um, Academy Award winning Swedish director of photography, Linus Sandgren, uh, who you might know from La La Land and First Man, uh, he's done a bunch of other stuff as well, like, um, mm-hmm. uh, what was that, the, the, what was that other movie he did, um... Uh, yes, I, I I know so many of his films. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm just no. He did, he did, he did, I he probably should, really but uh, high profile films. In any case, um, yeah, no, he's great. Well, he just didn't he just sign on um, to do Dune, or was that someone else? That no, was someone that was else. Yeah, that was yeah. someone this, else. Yeah, was, why least, would he be signing on to do Dune when he's in So yeah, uh, yeah that was the same yeah. tweet from Christopher Tapley. 
Um, yeah, that's right. But in yep. this in this tweet, um, he's he basically announced that um, that uh, Linus would be joining Bond twenty five. In the tweet reads. Uh, right. Linus Sangren is shooting the next Bond. Uh, then today, that was corroborated and confirmed by IndieWire, who cited Sangren himself as the source. And so yeah. it's pretty much a done deal that Sangren will be working alongside um, Kari Fukunaga as the director of photography for this film. So, uh, Griffin, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, well, I love this, uh, first of all. I, I'm not overly familiar with his work, but, I mean, just based off of La La Land and First Man... Boom! Mm-hmm. You got me in there, especially First Man, which which had such a, a intensity to it, um, and the look of the film uh, was was certainly unique, definitely documentary esque in some accounts. But but especially when when he would tackle the the lift off scenes, the moon landing sequence, uh, uh, just some of the more intimate moments, it was it was so incredibly well done. So I of course I I'm ecstatic about this, and, mm-hmm. and it, I mean he's got a keen eye i mean la la land we were talking about it uses a lot of color so it's like he definitely um you know has some variety to his style uh which is which is always good so i'm curious as to what the look him and fukunaga are going to come up with for um for for bond 25 it is interesting though because i I think for a little bit there we could have maybe speculated that kerry fukunaga himself was going to shoot the film uh you know having shot beasts of no nation uh Mm -hmm. himself so like that could have could have been a little bit of speculation there but i he's probably got a lot on his plate with this i was about to say it was probably very unlikely given the fact that this is a much much higher budget film uh more high profile more money uh, and yeah. and just moving pieces. Oh yeah, I kind of imagine the broccoli's okaying him to do that much. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm all in for this. I I really really like it. And um, yeah, hell yeah. Let let's go, Linus Sandgren. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I am uh I'm of the same mind. The the movie I was blanking on before was American Hustle. Um, uh, that's right. Yeah, he, 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 he works with yeah. uh, Damien Chazelle and David O. Russell. And David O. Russell, frequently. yeah. I mean, you look at all those films, really, and they all have a very nice um, look to it. I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, he shoots on film, I would imagine, because all of those films, I believe all of those movies were shot on film. So that bodes well for Bond 25 to be shot on film. Do we know what, um, do we know, because it was, it was television, but do we know what uh, True, a True Detective was shot on? I, I don't I I don't um I would I I, I don't know what uh, uh Kerry Fukunaga's take is on film versus digital yeah but I think that'll um, be like the deciding factor ultimately right right for sure yeah. I, I the way I look at it if they can shoot film and it, it's a bond film they, they definitely have the budget to shoot film <laughs> yeah. if they can shoot film then they probably will so I am uh very much looking forward to that to be honest with you I I just for me personally, there's nothing that uh, comes close to looking like film. You can get really close with digital, but it just you can at least for me personally, I can tell the difference. And I always love like you know yeah. you look at any of Nolan's films, you know that they were shot on film. They they just have that like that that depth, that contrast, the it's richness a, like of a it, fidelity to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, with Linus Sandgren, given his his you know background working with Damien Chazelle and Damien Chazelle shooting on film, uh, I'm very excited for that I think this also could bode well for some incredible IMAX sequences given what mm. he did with First Man um, so maybe him and Fukunaga are working on some great uh, you know big screen like you gotta see this uh, in the, on the biggest screen you possibly can sequences for in terms of action I would and hope whatnot. so That's, that, that yeah. gets me so excited you just saying that now got me yeah. very excited <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, like, it, it, it makes sense, especially because, I mean, last episode we were talking about Kerry Fukunaga saying he's kind of working on some set pieces and he wants to, you know, he wants to do something that, that will impress people. And you get a DP like this who is more than capable, who has really shot, like, massive scale sequences with, with the, First uh, Man. The moon landing sequence from First the moon Man is, landing probably, most, is like, probably the most impressive sequence I've seen this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like From you know, musical, uh, uh, cinematography, director, directorial, however the fuck you want to say it. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. And so you you know you you have all of these things and you put them together in a blender and you're like, yes, I I like it. We'll get an incredible looking Bond film. So I I am all in on this. And mm-hmm. the last thing I'll say on the matter is. I I think we'll get a much different looking Bond film than the previous ones because yes. we've had we had yeah. Hoyt Van Hoytema, which his style um, you you can tell it's Hoyt Van Hoytema, but at the same time he was trying to kind of replicate what Roger Deakins did in Skyfall, uh, not to the same extent, but you could see little uh, inklings of that in there. And so I'm kind of just excited to move away from the aesthetic of the Sam Mendes films because even mm-hmm. though I do like them. I think Spectre was a little drab for me, I, and I, I still think it's a gorgeous-looking film. But at, at the same time, I just kind of want to see something else. I think it's yeah. I see where you're coming from. Uh, Spectre's color palette is definitely very washed out, very um, almost like sepia tone in parts. Um, yes. So I can definitely like it's, it's, even especially that opening scene is very like has a very orangey kind of tint to it right um, right which is you know i i yeah. think it, it looks good like it looks great the cinematography oh, sure. inspector yeah, yeah, yeah. is excellent it's Not, just like i'm kind of you, you know probably like you're gonna say i i'm just i'm ready for something new no for sure i think like part of my uh thought process on that is um i think sam, like what, what uh, sam mendes and roger deacons decided to go with in skyfall is kind of the perfect aesthetic for a bond film in that it is vibrant and colorful and rich um and uh, and having seen la la land that is i know that um that sangren is capable of that so that gets me very excited because i mean i love the muted colors of first man it's a lot more realistic but i would love to see him do something more la la land-esque in terms of the vibrancy the, and the, the color palette yeah i mean yeah. daniel craig's bond is more grounded um for sure but I mean, I think his first three films are quite colorful. Um, yeah, I, I was about to say, I think Casino Royale has a nice balance of colors. Yeah, and it's Quantum of arguably like, that. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, it, it has a nice balance of colors, and it's arguably the darkest film in the, the series. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, and, and they both, they, they all three of them, I mean, even Sky, even Spectre, like, they, they all look beautiful, but especially those first three have that rich color palette and that's kind of what i'm hoping for it's a very superficial thing but it's a yeah. james bond movie we're not watching you know uh 12 years a slave i wa- I, I, I watch them for the beauty of them and also the spectacle and so something a little more exciting and like with some more visual flair would be very appreciated with this entry. yeah absolutely no i i com- yeah. completely agree but yeah so uh i guess that does it for that story which now we move into what is actually the biggest story of the day and possibly the biggest story we're going to get for a little while um, probably for the rest of the year honestly probably yeah i was, I was about to call you out for that but then i realized there's only a couple of days left so i was like wow, yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. point. but um yeah no so that story and the, the reason you probably clicked on this uh podcast video wherever you're listening is that leah sado is set to return and um 
So originally this story came from the Daily Mail's Baz uh, Bamigboye, who uh, essentially did an interview with Kari Fukunaga, who got, like, did an on-the-record uh, got on the record comments from Kari Fukunaga confirming that Leia Sudo would return to the franchise and he offered uh, Kari offered a very concise comment saying Leia will be returning <laughs> um, so you can't get more, more straightforward than that yeah I mean it's coming but, straight from the horse's mouth <laughs> yeah the only issue was when this first got announced is I mean Baz Bimigmoye is a very reputable um, source in terms of Bond news he's very much an insider when it comes to mm-hmm. that kind of thing but the Daily Mail isn't exactly the most trustworthy uh, source. So people are a little reticent to fully uh, get behind that. It's not the first. This wouldn't be the first time that someone would have lied about talking to, um, you know, a director or something like that. Yeah, but for sure. But then um, today we got uh, confirmation, or, or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening. Um, we got confirmation from Variety's Justin Kroll who uh, corroborated Bamig Moye's uh, comments stating that the, uh, that a source had confirmed the story to Variety. Um, so this is really exciting. Uh, obviously, the big talking point when it comes to this is what this could mean for Bond 25. Obviously, it'll be a continuation of Spectre's story and Madeline's role. People are sort of speculating what that could mean. So... I'm just, I'm not going to like preface this anymore. Griffin, what do you think is going to happen? What What are your thoughts on her returning? Um, <clears throat> yeah, just give me your straight thoughts. Let's, yeah, everyone's been um, just, I've been discussing this all day on Twitter. So yeah, absolutely. It. I, and it, so I, I'm of the, the, I'm of two mindsets here. One, I, I like that they're going to actually bring her back because I, I think she kind of got the, the shaft inspector. They, they didn't really explore <laughs> her or Bond's relationship as much yeah. as. Are nearly as much as they should have, um, and it's very easy to draw the on Her Majesty's Secret Service, um, and people have know, been yeah comparison, which is literally what everyone has been doing. Um, I, I I don't know, like I think it's great, and, and it's it'll be really cool that she'll be like the first legitimate Bond girl. I'm not talking about uh, uh what's her name Sylvia um, Trench. Was, Sylvia yeah. Trench. Yeah, I'm not talking about uh Sylvia Trench kind of Bond girl. I'm talking about legitimate Bond like the girl main to Bond return. Girl, yeah. Yeah, uh, in a film, which is cool. Um, and, and you know what? This really opens the door for them to do a deep ex- explore- exploration of their relationship at the current point in time. Because obviously some time will have passed. I mean, it looked. I mean, Bond left the service. So yeah. I kind of catching up with them, seeing their relationship um, would be something that we have never seen in a Bond film before. So that interests me. My only worry, and you and I have the same, share the same belief here um, and have the same worry, is that they will for all intents and purposes fridge her mm-hmm. in within like the first 10 or so minutes or maybe even before the opening credits uh, of the film. Um, which at this point in time I feel like it's just too obvious of a thing to do um, we've yeah. already seen it done in On Her Majesty's Secret Service that's an excellent film uh, we don't need to see another version of that something I've always loved about the Bond films is that they've never remade previous films They're, they don't go back and remake you know the, the stuff they've done before because yeah. we already have them, and for all intents and purposes, aside from like films like you know Octopussy, A View to a Kill, or what whatever your your thoughts are, even even some of the, like Die Another Day, um, 
I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, basically uh, saying oh, like essentially even those though films they're bad, even though the right, 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 as previous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Entries, I, yeah. I was basically saying like uh, even though they're bad, you know. We've just kind of accepted the fact that, yeah, the series has its ups, it has its downs. We don't, we don't need to go back and remake anything, and especially yeah. remake, arguably, if you're talking to some people, the best film in the entire franchise. Now, I yeah. that's not the case for me. I don't think that's the case for you, but it is in the top five. Oh, I think we there. can yeah. very I mean, undeniably you know, the most state important that. Bond film. Probably Absolutely. Ever. Yeah. And, 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 you know, regardless of what you think of George Lazenby's acting, the film as a whole is excellently done. There is no need to remake that film. Um, so that's the thing. What the, are you going to get out of a remake of it? Because you're, you're just going to get the same story with modern technology. Yeah. I mean, like, I start. Yeah, well, there, there's no point in it. Absolutely, and and <laughs> I know we were talking about the fact that if you watch the trailers for Spectre, it was almost like Sam Mendes was trying to do like a reverse, uh, you know, subverting your expectations version of On Her Majesty's Secret so- Service, just, and it just yeah. like basically fell flat. And I, I I just don't I don't want them to go back to that. Well, I used to think it would be a cool idea, but now I'm just of the mindset, do something different. And so. Yeah, I know you, I, I, you, um, you put up a poll, right, okay. on the on the Twitter page, and I kind of want to address that poll because oh, yeah. I I think that they should ultimately split because Bond doesn't end up with someone because it's just not in the nature of who he is. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I want them to take a page, believe it or not, I want them to take a page out of Mission Impossible's playbook. That's and what I was saying the, last week, yeah. Yeah, do the right thing and just have the two separate. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think it would work best for the character and best for uh, Madeline as well. Now, when they do that, I I have no idea. But that's kind of my whole thought process on on the matter. I'm glad that she's coming back. I'm I, I'm curious as to if there will be another Bond girl in the film, or if they'll maybe separate at the end of at the end of the movie. So uh, that that is one thing I'm still curious about. But yeah, I um that's kind of where I'm at on that as well. I've been if you've been if you've spoken to me on Twitter, if you've read any of my replies on Twitter today. Uh, it's pretty clear where I fall on that. Um, but yeah, essentially, so like going back to what you said before about fridging, for anyone who doesn't know, fridging is a trope that uh, essentially it comes from a, a Green Lantern comic book where they killed, um, uh, uh, who was Green Lantern at the time? Uh, Kyle Rayner's girlfriend by, like she was like, he found her in a fridge and she was dead. And it been, essentially it's a trope that it means uh, when you kill off a male protagonist's girlfriend for dramatic purposes, like, like to, to, right the to develop the male character yeah, and, like, at yeah. the expense of the female character. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And now, so yeah, essentially I, that's what I think would, would ultimately be the result of killing her in the opening scene. Cause I've seen a lot of people talk about killing her in the, the, the I mean, it would literally, sequence. it would well, be, right, it, we, we have such a little, like such a, uh, so little of a relationship with Madeline. Cause she, like you said, she's pretty undercooked inspector. Um, so yeah, killing her off immediately would have no emotional resonance. Um, not only that, is, not, well, not only that, but it just kind of in a, in a funny you know sense, it would almost be like playing into the the parody that Deadpool did. Oh Deadpool yeah, for sure. Did, yeah, no, exactly. They need which the exact we've already seen. That. Right, we've um, already seen Bond play into parodies unintentionally, and it's not yeah. very good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing though, because but not only like because we're talking about remaking Majesties. Um, and I, I can see where some people are coming from. Like they, they want a new version of Majesties in this current continuity because it is such an important story um, in the Bond canon. I get that. 
But for me personally, um, and uh, the way I see it, the, the the story of like Bond and Vespa in Casino Royale pretty much covers that ground pretty thoroughly. And yeah. we got a revenge story in Quantum of Solace, and we've seen repeatedly, even even in the, the Sam Mendes films, Bond isn't quite over Vespa yet. Like you had that like my favorite moment in Spectre is when he looks at the the, the I think I mentioned this last episode, but he looked at um the the, the tape from um, when they, I guess they were blackmailing Vespa when he's in Mr. White's uh, little yeah, cave. The and American. Yeah, the Lame He looks at it and then he throws it away and you can sort of, Daniel Craig sort of sells you that moment. Um, and it's a really, really nice like moment of pathos for him. And I don't see the narrative purpose in saying, okay, well now there's another dead woman because uh, don't forget, M also died in his arms in Skyfall. So we've got like yeah. a lot of Bond mourning women, and, and we don't it, need any more of a woman. it. Yeah, uh, M just uh, not, even if M hadn't been a woman in that movie, uh, just Bond mourning people in his life. At what purpose does it serve to end Craig's tenure by doing the same thing again? I think what the movie should be focused on is propelling Bond's arc forward from where we started in Casino Royale, but not repeating what we already have seen in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. I, I right, and, and if we're to point. and if just, we're to take Kerry Fukunaga's comments from exactly. what we said last yeah. week episode of him, you know, uh, wrapping up the story that began in Casino Royale, this mm-hmm. this doesn't seem like the logical thing to do because then it just moves him back to square one. Exactly, and that was part of the problem with Spectre is that it basically ignored a bunch of stuff that happened in Skyfall and then. Uh, did them again, like with M's old whole storyline with C. That whole storyline was basically the same storyline from Mallory and M in the previous movie. Um, it's not. I, I, don't, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but treading water isn't fun when you're watching a like an, an adventure movie. So I just I don't see a point. It doesn't do anything for Bond. Personally, uh, I would yeah, I would love to see them part ways. Uh, I mentioned this because uh, we we saw this I, on on Twitter. I made a poll, uh, essentially. We had our uh, kill, uh, kill uh, Madeline, have them bl- break up mutually, have her dump Bond, or have them end up together. And what's interesting, I found interesting anyway, is as of right now, it's still live. So if you want to go vote, go ahead. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But maybe ch- make me look like a fool. Go change the results. But um, yeah, no. Uh, so far, like forty-eight percent of people want her to die, but. Interestingly enough, um, the remaining, I guess, 52% of people don't want her to die, and they either want them to leave, like split mutually, be dumped, or end up together. So uh, it, it's fair to say that at least our audience is fairly split on this so far. Um, yeah, I, I, I just all I would say is to both sides, um, but especially to the, the... I don't want to make it sound like I'm right and you're wrong, but I, I, have, a, I, have, a, I have a real... I have a real sense that they're not going to kill her because it's just all, way it, too obvious. First too of all, obvious. yeah, they wouldn't have announced her. That, I mean, yeah, obvi- it was very obvious that Blofeld was going to like, like uh, what's his face? Um, Oberhauser was Blofeld. That was super obvious, but they at least tried to cover it up. You right. Know what I mean, there was no attempt to cover this up. Carrie L- Fukunaga me- literally spoke to a tabloid uh, reporter and said, yeah, she's coming back. So yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that, they know they're not fooling anyone. They're not fooling fans, and they also right. know that at this point in time, that like, doing that trope 
after it's been parodied in Deadpool, after it's been like sort of, you know, you've got this whole Me Too thing going on uh, in Hollywood. I think it would be incredibly stupid for them to say we're gonna do it and we're gonna make it super obvious that we're doing it. I, I now let me. No, no, no. I I completely agree with that, but yeah. I, I I do want to pose a question to you real quick. Yeah. Um, what if they didn't kill her until the very end of the film? I just, I still wouldn't like that. It's just on principle. Yeah. On principle, yeah. I think it's On principle, earned. okay. Um, I, even if they, they, they did earn it throughout the film by making us, like, fall in love with Madeline, um, I, I'd rather see, I, 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 honestly, if I was talking about, um, I, 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 I mentioned this again on Twitter. I'm going to keep mentioning Twitter, by the way. Go um, follow it. Go follow that go account. Follow He's it. doing yeah, great things um, there. Twain pod, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, what I would say is you've got this, you've got these two characters, right? You've got Bond and you've got Madeline and they are both essentially using each other. You've got Bond who's using Madeline to sort of, the way, the way Bond uses all of the women in his life post Vespa, uh, to sort of distract himself from the pain and on the other hand, you've got Madeline who's using Bond to escape this life that her father's line of work sort of forced her into. And, I mean, if you've ever been in a relationship, when you're both <laughs> using each other, it's not typically the most healthy relationship. Um, so I personally would love to see them explore that and show, like, because Bond is not built for relationships, as we know as fans, he's just really right. not the type. Um, and when he does try to go into a relationship like with Tracy or like with Vespa. It ends in tragedy in one way or another. Um, so rather than just skip to the tragedy, I would rather have them tackle this sort of uh, this complex issue that Bond is working through in this complex this complex issue that Madeline is working with, and perhaps end the story on a sort of uh, a melancholic parting of the ways kind of like um uh Gullibrand in moonraker or even tiffany case at the beginning of uh from rush with love the novel yeah um, yeah just having them either break up or be dumped or whatever i just think that would be much more satisfying and then you could end this story on you know bond moving on bond has moved on from vesper he's moving on from madeline he's a new person and then in the next movie, he will and literally per- be a new person. Yeah, yeah that's so the, exactly. Just, you know, and it perfectly sets up the the entry of of whoever's going to come in for Bond exactly. 26. Exactly, and I'm not saying that they should do exactly my idea. I just think, um, I think there's plenty of potential. I don't think killing her is the only thing you can do with a returning Bond girl. That seems really narrow-minded and boring. I, I agree. think yeah. there is so much potential. We've never had a returning Bond girl, and as we've mentioned on this podcast before, Barbara has been trying to make that happen for years, basically. Yeah, and so now it finally happens. So I and and, yeah. and now that it's happening, I think I it's another reason why I feel because of Barbara's passion about it. Um, I I can't see her just offing her within the first ten minutes, or yeah. or even in the film in general. Um, honestly, it, yeah, I just yeah, I mean may, maybe maybe at the end if it's earned, but I I still don't see that happening. So I I really do think um. Plus, I don't It'll know if just that come to would, separation. I don't know if that ending would work today for audience. Like, because like you ended Majesties on that down note, um, right? And even then, people did not take it well. But I think yeah. I I don't know if they would end Craig's run on such a bum note on a tragedy because yeah. every single film has ended in a tragedy. Well, except for Spectre. Spectre, he kind of rides off into the sunset. But other than that, um. Right. 
he's always had like a, a, a kind of rough ending to his films. E- even like Quantum of Solace, where he's kind of moving it's on, like a it was sweet thing. Yeah, it was a bittersweet thing because of like how much Vesper meant to him. So I agree. I I, I feel like have them separate, but have him become a new person mm-hmm. by the end of the film in order to open the gates for legitimately, like literally the new actor who's going to play Bond. Yeah. So, and I mean, and this yeah. is, this is a really great way that people keep talking about how we can, how you can address Bond's relationship to women in the 21st century. I think this is a great way to do it by like a learning really experience. It could be a learning yeah. experience for him. Have yeah. Him learn from a relationship, have him actually address the issues. Cause like he's been using Vesper as an excuse for like, a decade now so um which is not an unreasonable like not unreasonable not an unrealistic thing people do that um especially after like like trauma so and and it doesn't make it right and that's a a hurdle that they have to get over yeah exactly but it makes it real and it gives it it grounds bond's journey in real character drama and you can still have like a twisting like like a twisting spy caper going on and you can have fun action scenes and I think we keep going back to this but it really is a good example for a lot of the things we're talking about you look at Mission Impossible Fallout which managed to do all of these things simultaneously and so I I kind of scoff in the face of anyone who says it's not possible because you can wrap up I mean talk about a character no one gave a shit about no one cared a shit about uh, Ethan Hunt's wife or whatever she ended up being um, yeah yeah. but they managed to make you care in that movie and I think you could you can do that with, with Madeline you can make us care you can make her a fully fle- fledged character if if they manage to make her a fully fledged character I think Craig will have the best like gallery of well rounded Bond women like oh uh, without a doubt I mean yeah. he probably already does but in terms of like just definitely really the most layered faceted characters yeah. yeah no exactly um but yeah we've kind of talked about this for uh long enough so let me move on to the next story which is <laughs> yes, kind of related yes. actually because it, it is um it's tied into the uh the justin kroll ver- variety report mm-hmm. uh, but in that report uh there was also like a second paragraph that talked about a general like casting call if you will uh they're looking for two women and a villain and um crow reported that yeah the eon is looking for two other actresses one would play an mi6 agent who works with bond and another a mystery woman as well as the bond villain and then mm-hmm. alleged insiders add to that saying that rami malik uh who you may have seen in mr robot and in uh, bohemian rhapsody this year uh was being eyed for the villain role uh, but his schedule with the last season of Mr. Robot, which shoots in March to July, I believe, uh, makes it unlikely that he'll be able to get uh, to take the gig, even if Eon offered him the part. But it is interesting that they are looking for a new villain. For me yeah. personally, it tells me that Blofeld may not be the villain in this next one. Um, right, right. I, well, I mean, he could still be in it, just have a very small villain. role. Yeah, not, not yeah. The, like the primary antagonist. It, it is interesting. Um... What do you take from uh, these these casting call for women and for uh, for a villain? Well, the the women one is really interesting because I, I think we heard a while back it was like heavily rumored that they were looking for uh, a female character or uh, I'm sorry, a female actress to play a um, you know a fellow MI6 agent, which I I always like when Bond teams up with people to complete missions and, and yeah, such, no, such. E- even if it's uh, for a short period of time, um, it's still really cool to see because you don't get it a whole lot and it's it's think, something I don't different. Think Craig's worked with. Um 
any English women at all. <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, absolutely. I mean, I just just look at Tomorrow Never Dies. We just talked about it last week. His, him teaming up with Wei Lin was awesome at the end. Yeah. Like that's I, w- I want to see more of that stuff, whether it be you, you know with with a female uh, agent or or without a female agent. I, I don't know, but th- but this is also really really interesting um, because it just it just I, I start to question you know how does Madeline fit into all of this exactly? We're gonna have a mystery thing. woman, yeah. we're gonna have an MI six agent, um, and then we have Madeline, and I'm assuming the mystery woman is gonna be someone who he maybe has like a, a fling with I could be I could be wrong she could be a villainous or or uh something yeah. like that but um or even just like an a, a, an ally who is not a um a bond girl per se right right lead, yeah. yeah 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 for sure um but yeah it, it just starts I mean my, I start just you know kind of wondering well maybe Madeline will be gone like halfway through the film how mm. are they gonna work that well here's the other thing you know uh Maybe we're looking too deep into <laughs> the the Madeline character coming into the film. Maybe it's literally just a very small role. Maybe they've already split by the time that uh, twenty five starts, and we just Possibly. get a very small yeah. glimpse of her character. Flashbacks, almost, yeah, yeah, either flashbacks or or, or just a brief encounter or uh, of some sorts. Yeah. Um, she's still well, yeah, returning. Maybe not flashbacks, but yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, like she's still returning, but she's really not going to be in the film. And so that, that's another uh, route they could take, which would be equally as interesting. Um, honestly, as long as they don't kill her off, I, I, I'm okay. Um, as far as the Rami Malik thing, yeah. well, I mean, the, the dude's kind of just, you know, he's, we've already known he's a great actor. I, I mean, Mr. Though, yeah. Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot, he, Mr. he gives Robot. exceptional, Mr. Robot, uh, he gives <laughs> uh, <laughs> exceptional performances and there's a reason he's been nominated. Um, at least I think he's been, yeah, he's been nominated yeah, for, yeah. for that role. Um, and so, you know, with Bohemian Rhapsody, he transformed into Freddie Mercury, and, and people were all like, oh, I mean, my God, he just got a Golden Globe nomination for uh, playing Freddie Mercury, and so mm-hmm. he is, like, the hot item right now in terms of, of acting, and so it makes sense why they would consider someone like this, especially... Um, R- Rami Malek has like such an interesting intensity to him when you see him in roles. He does, it, 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 yeah. you, you see it in his eyes and like you, I could 100% see him being a great Bond villain. Um, I see him as like a kind of uh, like a Max Zorin like psychotic type. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's actually a perfect analysis or I'm sorry, analogy there because, uh, Max Zorin, surface level, seems like a pretty normal guy, but you start, you, you like start watching him in conversations and you're like, this guy's fucking nuts. Like I could see this. Him, yeah. yeah, I could see the exact same thing happen with Rami Malek. Um, so I, I love that he's being considered because truthfully, that could mean he could pop up in a, a Bond film later down the road. It is yeah. unfortunate that the the schedules do not align. But um, in terms of the whole Blofeld thing. I, I still think there's an opportunity for him to to pop up in the film. Yeah. Maybe not as the the you know central antagonist, but maybe he's the guy pulling the strings. Uh, maybe Something. we get a scene yeah. where Bond visits him in prison, uh, which would be very funny because it'd be like Austin Powers and he has to get information out of him in order to complete <laughs> the mission he's actually on. God damn it, Austin Powers, you just uh, fucking hell. Uh, but <laughs> you could have you could have referenced like Silence of the Lambs or something like that. <laughs> well, you could have, but I I mean Bond, Austin Powers. They're kind of like it's. You well, know. Hopefully, it's more Silence of the Lambs than it is. Well, I would uh, hope so, Austin but at Powell. the same time, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I, st- I'm still of the mindset where it would be cool to see Christoph Waltz back, but I'm, I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. I, mm-hmm. I think it's fine. Um, mainly just because I, I really didn't like the direction they took his character, Inspector. I think I thought Waltz was good, but like 
the way his character yeah. was written was just kind of meh. So if they decide to just like, you know, scrap him for the Craig era, that's fine. Maybe get a new Blofeld with a new Bond. Um, that whole thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I think those are really just my thoughts on the matter. It, it's in, it's really interesting stuff here, though. I, I I do like the the direction that this film is headed in. Yeah, I think what's interesting about the uh, the Rami Malek thing for me is that it kind of even if he doesn't end up taking the role, it kind of t- tells you the direction they're going in with this villain. You know? Yeah, like the, they're going for someone younger. They're going for someone intense. Um, presumably, I mean, this could be all wrong. They could just maybe have just wanted him, but um, by the sounds of it, it sounds like that kind of a that kind of a role. And then, um, in terms of like Christoph Waltz, I want to I want to go back to that for a second. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have been a big advocate for Blofeld coming back. I, I, I have a problem with the the like the sibling thing that they did with him, Inspector. But oh, I so dumb. Yeah, very dumb. But I think Christoph Waltz played the role fairly well i think he delivered his lines well i think he he was suitably uh like like simmering there's like a simmering kind of rage to him as mm-hmm. blofeld um that i really liked and i would like to see more of uh even if it wasn't a supporting role the capacity um i think the problem and this is like i, I mean, the problem is already evident because we've mentioned it several times over several podcasts but the problem is where Spectre left off is in a very similar position to where um, Rogue Nation left off. So the problem is now Bond 25 has to do, like, like has to pick up from where Fallout picked up, but do it differently. Because <laughs> they're basically yeah, left I, off at the, because those movies are very similar. They and, are very similar. Um, they basically left their characters in very similar positions. Um, so to be, to to be fair, their- I... I feel like the, you know, that obviously I, the one thing I want them to borrow from Fallout is just not fridging Madeline, but the less they kind of borrow from that film and the more they separate it while still kind of connecting to Spectre, I think the better. For I, sure. I, yeah, like, I, I, that's the only thing. I, was, I wasn't saying they should copy Fallout. I was just saying. No, no, no. It's I, interesting I know, that I they know. are. It's kind of a conundrum. I, I'm sure Carrie Fukunaga's thought about it in that they really are in a very like a precarious right. position where they have been both films left their characters in very similar places. Well, you never but, know. I mean, he could ultimately just be making the Bond film he's always wanted to make, um, and it's not as connected to Spectre as we are thinking, you know. But I mean, at yeah, the, the same time, it does tie, kind of, yeah. right? It, it does kind of tie up some some the it it ties up the Craig era, but it might not be as connected to Spectre, which truthfully yeah. I think could be a good thing because I, I mean, I am, we are both pretty vocal about our disappointment of Spectre. Mm. Um, and I think upon rewatching it some more, it, it the, the, the problems become even more glaring. So yeah. uh, I think if, like, yeah, okay, and, and this is going to be a very divisive, uh, thing for me to say. Um, and this is very tangentially related to what we're talking about, but, um, <laughs> I know a lot of people are really reticent to uh, suggest retcons and stuff like that, um, and I wouldn't. I, I I would I would certainly say focus on making a good story and stop. Don't focus on trying to correct the issues with the previous movie, sure. Because uh, that's how you kind of end up in like a, a, a DC cinematic universe situation where you're just every film is reacting to the previous film. But at the same time, if they find a way to make like if they find a way to make Madeline a more compelling character retrospectively, or if they find a way to, um, I don't know, make the whole like connect all the connections between the previous films a little more 
palatable, a little more like 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 if they explained, oh, Silver didn't work for Spectre, he was just funded by them or something like that. Like yeah, in an, in just like an off comment, I wouldn't hate that just because it would probably make me like Spectre a little bit more just in retrospect. Um, for sure, yeah, and an overall like like a, a rising tide lifting all boats. But again, I don't want them to. I don't want that to be the focus of the movie because that's that's pretty faulty filmmaking. But I wouldn't be opposed if like, hey, they they bring Blofeld back and the brother thing isn't a big deal anymore because it's really not. They're not really brothers anyway, so it's just like never mentioned again. Like right, I would be okay right. with them sort of retconning previous stuff just to make things a little like less egregious, Inspector. But, um. I'm going to the other two things real quick. Uh, I love the idea of there being an MI6 agent. They, they sort of toyed with the CIA agent being Bond's partner in Spectre. Yeah. And um, But then she ended up being like a turncoat. And so I wonder if this is going to be a misdirect where like the MI6 character is actually like shady, kind of like Miranda <laughs> Frost style. Yeah. But um, I guess maybe there's been too, there's been a little too much of that, uh, like, like with C and with um, just a couple of like other... Actually, I think C's the only one, but still. C. Um, yeah, oh, I guess, right. I guess you have um, uh, what's what was the name of her bodyguard, M's bodyguard in um. Oh yeah. Um, um uh, Craig Mitchell. M- Craig Mitchell. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was gonna um, say. Yeah. So you've got like a couple of examples of rogue CI uh, MI6 agents. So maybe that's not, maybe it's wise not to do that. But it's interesting. Uh, mystery woman. I love a good mystery woman. I can already see her like, trouncing around at like a. A casino with her with her long dress or something that sounds mm-hmm. great. Well, um, and you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of, and I always forget her name because she's really not in the film a whole lot. Uh, the girl from Skyfall, uh, uh, Silva's. Uh, do you remember oh, her name? Um, I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Yes, she. I mean, she's like she is literally so mysterious when we first meet her. Oh, she's it's like great. Ki- her, it's it's her, kind her, of her eerie. Scene. Yeah. Go ahead. That that first. Well, I was just saying that the first time when we meet her is like super eerie. She's so mysterious. I love how. Like the, the she's smoking the cigarette. And it's like the dragon puff coming out. Oh, yeah, it's coming just, out of her nose. Oh my god, yeah, it's it's, it's it's excellent. But that that's what my mind goes to when I think of mystery Bond woman. You know what I'm saying? No, same here. Yeah, with the black lipstick and the. Oh god, the, it was the, it it really was pretty like eerie. Like I don't know why, but it was just like a oh this girl's unsettling. And yeah, like, I she I talk about an underrated performance. She sold oh really that underrated yeah in one scene like. We got that she was, uh, she had a, a, a dangerous past. She was incredibly scared, but putting on a brave face. Like, she, really phenomenal performance, uh, making the most of a small part. But yeah. uh, anyway, that does it for that story. And we're going to move on real quick to another little tidbit. Um, from Mr. Which, Justin Kroll, right? Or no, I'm sorry. Well, this, no, this, this is, is not uh, from This Kroll. is uh, Bamig Boyer. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So we're, so jumping we're, going back back to, to, we're jumping back to the Daily Mail real quick. Daily Mail, all uh, right. Because this one's a little more shaky than the previous uh like sort of confirmation just because Daily Mail is a little less not not to discredit um but Big Boy A, but the Daily Mail is a I mean, far less credible source. There than are tears. Variety. The Daily Mail is a tabloid and the variety is a legitimate publication who covers the industry, you know. Yeah, and they then the variety just doesn't tend to publish things unless they know for sure. And Daily Mail will publish anything. Yeah, so that's fair. Yeah. um that's yeah, that's that on that. But um yeah, so the big boy, I'm going to have a stroke saying that name so many times. Um, <laughs> but he confirmed in his little conversation with um, Carrie Fukunaga that uh, Rafe Fiennes, Ben Whishaw, and Naomi Harris would be returning as MQ and Moneypenny, respectively. Uh, Carrie seemed eager to work with the returning crew and the rest of the British talent uh, that's likely to fill in the cast, saying, You have some of the best actors in the world here. Why wouldn't I have the best coming back? Um, 
So that's really great. It's great. Um, I mean, yeah. we kind of knew that M was coming back, Q was coming back, Money Penny's coming back. They're, they're just staples of like the sort of the Whitehall crew. Um, interesting that Rory, uh, Rory Kinnear as Bill Tanner is not listed. But, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. W- what do you think of the returning um, MI6 crew? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a no-brainer. I, what I, I God damn, I love Kerry Fukunaga. Uh, the thing I love about his comments <laughs> is he's like, well, duh. Like, I mean, yeah, I know, exactly. It's like, it's like the thing that we're all thinking. We're like, well, yeah, you have Ray Fiennes, Ben Wishaw, and Naomi Ooh, Harris. Harris yeah. Why wouldn't you bring them back? And so <laughs> I, I always assumed that they were going to be coming back, especially yeah. because they, they have become staples of the Craig era. You know, Ray, Ray Fiennes really solidified himself as an excellent M inspector, believe it or not. Actually, I thought all of the MI6 crew got a massive bump from Spectre, mm. uh, which oh, is... Ben Wishaw has been like... I, I love Ben dude, Wishaw. I was um, yeah. surprised how much people have taken to him because he is so different from the old Q. He is, um, but he's a very... Alone, he's he's so he's so modern and with the times it kind of goes back to you know the whole bond adapting with the times i think that's definitely the case with q and, and ben wishaw yeah. is just an excellent actor who brings weirdly enough a lot of like uh awkward charisma to the role that i i, yeah, I just it's very charming yeah I, I is he's a very very charming q and i i almost i honestly could i wish they will keep him on for whoever is on next carry that legacy of, of con- continuing on so with too. the same yeah, cues I, absolutely i I, I would say um, Naomi Harris has also been fantastic as Money Penny. I oh, she's excellent. Yeah, she and Craig have a very like cheeky, playful kind of banter. That it's I think so is, like it, it's like almost as good as as, as Samantha Bond. Because I, yeah, I think it's like it's, the it's, next it's, progression yeah, of that. You know, no, I was just saying like I, I I feel like Naomi Harris and Craig is like the next logical progression from where we had Samantha Bond and uh, Pierce Brosnan. I completely Brosnan. agree. Yeah, because it's, it's a little less like sexually charged. Yeah, than, yeah. It's um, not as sexually like, charged. Not, yeah. But that, like, take, you'd think taking away the sexual like charge from the money penny thing, not that there is no sexual tension between them, um, well, I mean, my God, obviously the, the that, whole that shaving, shaving scene, scene yeah, right. Is like, <laughs> or, or when uh, he he calls her inspector and she's like with a guy, you know? Yeah, that, and she, he gets a yeah. little jealous. Like, I kind of yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I. So yeah, not to, say, not to say there is no sexual tension between them, but it is less played up than like say Lois Maxwell very obviously wanting to jump Sean Connery's bones. Um, I mean, who doesn't? But uh, oh man, oh. <laughs> but yeah, I think they they adapted that. But both Q and Money Penny for uh, while we're at it, but Money Penny, yeah, they they have a very like witty, sharp. Um, sort of dynamic and i think yeah. even though they sort of overplayed the mi6 crew a little bit too much inspector yeah they um, definitely did yeah. i think it's it, it was still not so it didn't feel so bad because they were playing those characters so well and they yeah. did feel so right so yeah, yeah i mean I'm, I'm glad they're coming back and i'm glad that uh carrie sort of just shrugged it off as being a no-brainer do you think, <laughs> yeah right it's just, do you think i love Oh, Tanner. Uh, yeah. Well, before I get into that, I just once oh, yeah. again want to reiterate. I just love the common sense of of Carrie <laughs> yeah. He just he just gets it. Um, but uh, in terms of Tanner, um, yeah, the, it's really interesting that he didn't mention Rory Kinnear. But at the same time, I I don't think Tanner has had like the 
you, you know, like he, I mean, he's, he's not one as of the, big as those other three. He's not course, as big yeah. as those other characters. So, I mean, naturally, the way I look at it as is uh, Bamig Boye asked him, well, yeah, so are, are we going to get M, Q, and Monty Penny returning? And then, you know, uh, Fukunaga was just kind of like, well, yeah, of course we're going to get them returning. I, I don't look at it as him, like, you know, excluding purposefully yeah. excluding Tanner. I just feel like it was, it's one of those things like, yeah, we'll get the MI crew back, MI6 crew back together, which for me includes Tanner. So, you know, whether, I agree, whether Tanner is yeah. even in the film is another question. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he, they might not even have him, but I, I always liked, uh, his role in the Craig films. Um, yeah, kind of too. as I, I really enjoyed, he was his, like, the, like I, cause Tanner was like sort of underused in previous, um, bond iterations and he became a real staple of Craig's yeah. like sort of crew. Well, and Rory Kinnear is is excellent in the role. I, yeah. I he was he was just he was always that nice like um, intermedium like like the, the the you know what I'm saying. He was Rory he Kinnear was a nice is medium the between work friend. He oh yeah, absolutely. He's he's like the great like brilliantly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and he was kind of like the link between Bond and M. Uh, whenever they would yeah. So it, it was just yeah. yeah, it's great stuff. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's that that's um the end of that stuff, and now we're getting to some a little like, a little more murky well speculative waters i'll say because we don't have any explicit news on this but it is a little detail we noticed uh when reading the justin kroll variety piece which i'm yes. back to that one um and in that piece it was i thought it was interesting that um carrie fukunaga is now reportedly the one writing bond 25 um there's no like real announcement of it it's just that in the article uh, Fukunaga is listed as the sole writer two times with no reference made to any other writers. Um, it's interesting because in the um, the Bamig Boye article, um, he suggests that Purvis and Wade are still on board and that Carrie, uh, Carrie Fukunaga is having a major input, quote-unquote, right. uh, in the writing process but isn't himself the writer, uh, or at least not the sole writer. Um, so it, it, in that case, it would be like sort of a casino royale situation with um paul haggis yeah but i don't know if i trust that just because it was not part of the um he like sort of goes over his conversation with carrie fukunaga and then after the jump there's a bit of like a sort of he's rounding up all the previous information that has been established uh, or rumored about bond 25 and in that he says um purvis and wade are back but that does sound a lot like a rumor we covered early on where people just sort of assumed they were going with the Purvis and Wade script. Yeah. When, um, uh, I know I said John Logan, but um, yeah. uh, John Hodges, uh, like like John Hodge left um, the project. So whether or not this is like, you know, what we sort of assumed was what was rumored or whether or not like Carrie Fukunaga is fully rewriting the script or just like, you know, retooling an existing script that they wrote um we can't really say but it is interesting that variety could not verify that detail and instead um said that Carrie Fukunaga is writing the project well, on his own right so. well when they were looking for a replacement for Danny Boyle they were looking for a writer director correct yes, exactly yeah and that's what Carrie Fukunaga is so i i mean like the way i see it is oh, at least rumored he was they were rumored to be rumored, for yeah. a director yeah the way i see it is Bamig Boye is playing it safe cuz he doesn't actually know and he probably didn't ask the question and so he just yeah. assumed that 
they were using the Purvis and Wade script or Purvis and Wade were rewriting or they were using some, you know, the central idea of the Purvis and Wade script and Fuganaga was having major input, which means essentially he was telling them what to write. Um, but to me, that doesn't make any sense because that's, that's not who Fukunaga is as a filmmaker. Um, I'm leaning more towards what Justin Kroll and Variety are saying because that sounds more like what something Kerry Fukunaga would do. Yeah. Kerry Fukunaga is not someone who wants to... Um, I mean, he'll play ball with studios if he has to, but I he he's very much like the the kind of filmmaker who wants to do it himself. You know what I'm saying? He wants to make mm-hmm. what he wants to make, and I I oh, have a feeling sure. that yeah. he was he's hired because yeah. right. I mean, I mean, I'm sure Eon when they were having conversations with him pitched him like, listen, this is the idea we kind of have right now, and then I'm sure Fukunaga you know came back at it and he's like, okay, well, what if we do this kind of along the same lines you're thinking about, but it's a little different. Um, and they were probably like, yeah, we love that. And then from that, so it's like it's still kind of going off of that central idea that may have been there all along, but ultimately it's Fukunaga's take on what's going on. Um, I think either way, Purvis and Wade probably will have a story credit. They'll probably have a story credit. I I do not think they're writing the script, though. Me neither. I I I just have a strong feeling that they won't be, especially since they were were responsible for a lot of the stuff that people did not like about Spectre. Although, them writing kind of mediocre scripts has not stopped them from coming back in the past, so... No. Well, and you know, you, you can look at it this way. We always say, oh, Purvis and Wade, they're coming back. What if they don't want to come back? What if they're well, just like, man, we're, we're out of gas. You it kind of sounds like else. they've been trying to get out of this for the longest time. After Skyfall, they said, we're done, and then they dragged them back for uh, Spectre. And well, and, you, and look what you got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's my, that's my thing is I don't understand why Eon would continue to go back to two people who clearly have exhausted their uh, ideas in terms of this franchise who kind of don't want to be there. They're just um, company guys, I think. They're just, yeah, they're, yeah, they're just they're they're just the the, the workmen. They're 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 the workmen of the Bond screenwriting universe and yeah. and I think you know, just in general, it's time for Eon to move on from them find some find some other find some fresh blood or better yeah. yet find a director who wants to write their own scripts aka Carrie Fuganaga which is what you have which is the direction I'm thinking that they're going in right and I mean like if this is true and they are like and Carrie Fuganaga is writing and directing like soul like the soul writer on this um it is interesting that they were looking for a writer director after um after the departure of uh, Danny Boyle, maybe that indicates that they weren't entirely happy with the Purvis and Wade. I mean, they were, they were willing to replace the Purvis and Wade script immediately with um, the potential of a John Hodges script, um, only to then not be happy with his script either. But I think their willingness to replace Purvis and Wade's script and then look for a writer-director maybe tells me that they're not completely satisfied with whatever they offered. Right, um, they don't, they don't want to... Yeah, they they don't want to you know have another Spectre debacle on their hand where like the ideas are there but they couldn't quite get them to where they needed to be in order to have a successful narrative. So it's yeah. to me it just sounds like yeah like what you said they're unsatisfied with what Purvis and Wade are doing, um and they really want to make sure that Craig's final outing is the best it can be, which yeah. is good. It shows that they're it shows that they care and that they want to give them the proper send off because we all yeah. know that that's the only well maybe not the only but it's it's a pretty significant reason as to why daniel craig decided to come back yeah and and it is it also shows that they're learning from the mistakes absolutely and which is it, exactly it may, what you want from a studio and it may even indicate that um universal and annapurna have been a very positive um like influence on the eon team 
sure. uh, as the new distributors. But yeah, so that's uh, that's that story. And now we have one more big story before uh, Griffin gets into his little uh, his little interview news, oh, yeah. uh, and that is some Bond filming location news. And so this is kind of an exciting story because it broke earlier this week, and while at first it seemed a little shaky, a little like sort of speculative. We've gotten some additional comments that have pretty much sold me on this being at least a like a possibility. And uh, so, without further ado, the story is that um, a Norwegian outlet has reported that a film dubbed B25 has applied for a 25% subsidy of cost, uh, which is part of an initiative for filming in Norway. Um, and now this story, because like B25, yeah, what could it be? Sounds Ooh. like it's Bond 25. But <laughs> then this story was corroborated by the Norwegian film commissioner, Adrian Mitchell, um, who spoke with an Oslo newspaper uh, like the next day, pretty much, saying the following, I can confirm that we have been in contact with representatives of the upcoming James Bond movie and that they want to record in Norway. So doesn't get much more definitive than that. <laughs> yeah. um, pretty, pretty obvious that they're looking to film in Norway, whether or not that's... Um, filming in Norway, standing in for somewhere else, or they're actually having Bond go to Scandinavia for the first time. Um, yeah, what do you think of this? Uh, I dig it, truthfully. I mean, I'm always a fan of the snowy locations in the Bond films, yeah. and I'm praying to God this means we might get a skiing, lo- a ski chase. Please. Even if Craig doesn't want to do it, I, like, I, I don't care. I want I want at least one ski chase in the, get a in the Craig area. Yeah, for real. Um, but, yeah, I mean, okay, to... to, to you know, be be realistic about it. They yeah. applied for a grant. That doesn't mean they're definitely going to film there, but it it, it means that they're seriously considering it. Yeah. And you it, recently it put up a fil- poll. The film is going to say. Also, I was going to say that it must mean that the script um, wants them to go to Scandinavia in some capacity. Right, right. And yeah. and I mean, you recently put up a poll about locations that yeah. we haven't seen in a Bond film that we would like to see. I don't think Scandinavia was on there, was it? No, I, I used that as like a, as a launching off point. So okay. this would be the first time Bond goes to Scandinavia. Yeah. And there really aren't too many regions of the world where Bond has not visited yet. Right. But I, put up, I, I sort of scrounged together a list and uh, threw it up there. I, see, to me, this this is just like... It, it's it's really cool because like you said he's never been there before um and there's some beautiful locations in not not just norway but the entirety of scandinavia that would make for great um you know uh just just like uh, locations for a bond film and whatnot so um i am personally all for it just give me the damn ski chase and we'll we'll be good yeah oh my god i just i'm excited because like i love going going back to what we were saying about the poll I love the idea of Bond going somewhere we haven't been before. Yeah. Like, there is just something very nice and refreshing about that. Like, that's kind of how I felt when I watched um, Casino Royale for the first time and it opens up uh, after the, the title sequence in, oh, in Prague? Africa. Or, or oh, Madagascar. Madagascar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, I've never really seen... I mean, we had, like, one shot, a kind of a shitty soundstage of um, Winton Kidd in South Africa. Yeah. But... Bond himself has not gone to Africa, like at least like sub-Saharan Africa before, and um, Madagascar is probably the closest he's gotten to that. And it is, it was just really cool, like a nice change of scenery. Um, even I think uh, Quantum of Solace did a good job of, of um, you know, like mean, Bond's been to Central America before, but just doing it yeah, a little different. Bolivia was different. Same yeah. with uh, Skyfall going to China for the first time. Oh, that was um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, so just really, really exciting. I mean, I guess you can count Hong Kong as China and Dine of the Day, but 
that was very obviously a like a set. But um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, plus I mean, yeah. well yeah, no, you're you're right. Um, well, I mean, you look at uh, something as as simple as just looking at the game Bloodstone, which I'm currently playing through yeah. uh, for the first time, if you can believe it. And the thing that really sticks out to me to me about that game is the locations they go to you know like the, yeah. the the game opens up when he's in greece and i'm like jesus i've never seen bond in greece before this is awesome right? yeah yeah and, and then what do they, they go from there to uh i think they go to russia after that which i mean we've seen them there a bunch the of times classic, but then yeah. right but but then from there um when the aquarium stuff's happening he goes to um where is that do you remember was that in japan uh, it, it, no it was somewhere in china i think right it was in china but it was a different it was a different side of china that we hadn't seen before that, that was like yeah. different from uh what we saw in skyfall um so mm -hmm. it's so it's still new locations and so that that's something to or me that's like southeast asia somewhere yeah right 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 well th <laughs> at least to me that that was um you know just just something that really stood out about that game that i appreciate well and i think in that game they go to africa don't they um yeah eventually the the the, the like final act or at least the second to last the penultimate like stage is in Africa. right i would assume, i mean yeah. with a game called bloodstone i mean you know it makes sense blood diamonds yeah. and whatnot but um <laughs> that i i keep i keep referring to that game as blood diamond because that's what comes yeah. to mind first i mean you said you said um we were talking about this before and you said oh I, I wish they would go to some of the places from blood diamond and i was i, I thought you were making a mistake and i said oh, oh yeah, no yeah bloodstone it, it, has some great locations yeah. no 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 i mean <laughs> no. the film Blood Diamond. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I because I just keep interchanging them. But no, that that, that brings <laughs> up a good point. I'd love to see them go uh, somewhere into like Central Africa uh, or, or maybe even the coast of Africa or stuff like that. Because you're right, we haven't seen that before. Um, yeah. And we've seen so many other locations multiple times. So yeah. uh, give us some fresh stuff. Yeah, I'm all for yeah. it. Scandinavia but, sounds I mean, great. Uh, by judging by the poll, the winner was Australia. My wonderful. Oh, home. that's so, right. Yes, yes, of course. Um, that's another location that we haven't seen. Yeah, I maybe. Just don't take any cues from Mission Impossible Two because that was pretty bad representation. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, no. So uh, very excited to see Bond heading to um, to Norway. And just, I love getting like, I, I love like getting location news because then I can start imagining, like yeah. my mind starts extrapolating like, oh, I wonder what Bond's going to be doing in Norway. Is he going to go for like a car chase through like, uh, you know, through the mountains or something like yeah, just for sure. over an ice lake, like uh, the living daylights or something. Uh -huh. But um, yeah, no, it's a very, very exciting news on that. But that pretty much wraps up the uh, Bond 25 uh, like news dump that we got this week. But right. Griffin has his own little piece of news, uh, so take it away, Griffin. Yeah, it's exclusive little uh, thingy here. Um, I re really not too much to it. I wouldn't even consider it news, but it was just, it was interesting. So I, I got the opportunity to interview um, Hugo Weaving today. Today is uh, December 7th, uh, for those of you who don't know. I, I got a chance to interview him for... Um, uh, Mortal Engines, which was through the uh, the movie news outlet, the playlist. Um, mm. So I'm and I'm going to keep referring to this. If you guys want to check out the full interview I did with Hugo Weaving, go head on over to their article. It should uh, be up, and we'll probably have a link in the description somewhere. But you know, of course, as a massive Bond fan, I I had to pose the question because I I have thought this for years, and I'm at this end. I've also just kind of thought, wow, he's never been approached for this. This is kind of crazy. I have thought that Hugo Weaving would make the perfect Bond villain. He has that intensity to him. He's an incredible actor, um, amazing talent, and it just, to me, is such a logical fit 
for a Bond villain, considering his success in playing, you know, villainous roles in the past and, and doing a great job with them, making memorable villains uh, out of them. And so we're going to play a little clip here from uh, the interview I had with uh, Mr. Weaving. And you, you can get a, get a sense for uh, how he feels about the whole thing. So we'll roll the clip now. I'm a massive James Bond fan. I've always thought you would make the perfect Bond villain. Any interest? Tell in that to Barbara. I, I, I wish I could. You know, Carrie Fukunaga is looking for a new villain. So maybe yeah, yeah. Or he's looking I'd for love a to, I'd love to play a James Bond villain. Absolutely love to. Perfect. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Cool, thank you. It's awesome. So there you have it, guys. Uh, Mr. Hugo Weaving would consider playing a Bond villain if he were to be asked. Now, it is important to note that he didn't just out of the blue say this. I did pose the question to him in just a very fun and jovial manner. I, you know, I don't want this to be taken as, a, oh, Hugo Weaving wants to be a Bond villain. Just kind of like taking it and running with it because that's really not the case. I did pose the question. Um, and so... With me posing the question, he probably was a little more likely to say yes, but nonetheless, you can kind of get a sense for the excitement that he had when I asked the question, mm-hmm. I, I, and I especially love when he's like, well, why don't you ask Barbara, like, you know, kind of throwing it in her court, and, um, I love that you know, he's him. on first name basis with uh, Barbara Broccoli. Right, which, you know, maybe they've <laughs> maybe had some he's, conversations. Maybe he's before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, but it, it just kind of looks, it was very interesting to see that it it would be something that he'd love to do as he so said um Mm. and so uh, i i don't know brody what what are your thoughts on this and and i kind of want to expand upon this a little bit more um what kind of bond villain do you think would be awesome for hugo weaving to play oh man yeah no he is fantastic another great australian talent um right keep going back there (laughs) keep going back keep coming back it's almost like australia is full with talented people but um, you're not wrong yeah no he he is uh he's brilliant and i love like a lot of the stuff that he's done i hmm what kind of villain i would want him to play though that's uh that's a toughie because like you could i could see him playing like an agent smith type villain obviously because he has done it in the past uh just like that very like cold almost like mechanical um, efficient type of Bond villain, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I could also see him playing the kind of um, like, like he he would, he could play megalomaniacal. I was about and, to say he'd be a a great colorful megalomaniac. Yeah, so I could see him. Play, I mean, his name is Hugo. I could see him playing Hugo Drax from the novel. <laughs> well, well. Yeah. Um, he just has like that. I, I, when he's like, he just yeah, he look he's deranged. Like, have you ever seen him smile? He has like that deranged smile. Um, he can make himself look look like a like a madman. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm specifically thinking of him from The Matrix. Uh, I'm sure his oh, one, of course, I'm sure yeah. his regular smile is wonderful. But oh my god, yeah, I mean, he's he was <laughs> such a nice guy. I was just very um, very happy to, to to like see that he was like you know kind of kind of uh, uh, keen to Genuinely you know answer that question. Yeah. yeah, he didn't just shut it down. He's like absolutely, I'd love to do it. So and he didn't want. Yeah, he didn't want to avoid the curse as so many uh, actors seem to want to. Like, oh, I don't want to talk about it just in case. About anything. Yeah, anything like, regarding yeah, James Bond. get my name yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Barbara Broccoli, if you are listening to this by any uh, of stretch of the imagination, is. well, regular, uh, you know, friend of the show, right? Barbara of Broccoli. Course, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're on a, <laughs> oh, no, that's bad because if she does listen to this. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, Mrs. Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but it is, uh, it's just a fun little tidbit there. I'm, I'm glad I was able to talk to him and I, I'm very, very happy that I was able to ask him that question and give you all the, a little insight into that. So, uh, seriously go, go, uh, listen to my full interview with Mr. Hugo weaving over at the playlist. There'll be a link in the description below. Uh, it was an absolute blast talking to him. Great guy. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was great. It was awesome. It was great. And that brings us to the end of another fine episode of The Words Are Not Enough. Uh, so so fine. You got your Bond breaking news, uh, you know, quench that thirst. Um, yeah, Griffin, where can people find you? Where can they find me? Ooh, I like how we're turning the tables oh, here. Course, yeah, you yeah. Can, you guys can find me on Twitter at Griff Schiller, where I am tweeting. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> if you can believe what it, a, what a kind of mind blowing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or you can go on, uh, head on over to the Men vs. Movies Twitter account and follow us there for just more, you know, movie, not necessarily related to Bond uh, stuff. Yeah, I mean, and then you can also check out uh, the Men vs. Movies uh, YouTube channel if you're inter- interested in watching. Um, Griffin do movie reviews. I'm sure our audience yes. loves movies if they're into Bonds. So, yeah, of course, I yeah. would assume so. <laughs> I would hope so. And I mean, if you're on the YouTube channel right now, yeah, go subscribe. Good, on. good on you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you want to find me, uh, you can find my personal handle at Brody Cervelli, or you can check out the Words Are Not Enough official Twitter page because it is a riot and a half and I'm having some fun with it. It is at Twain Pod, T-W-A-N-E Pod. Um, and yeah, we're doing polls sporadically. We're talking about news. We're talking about uh, just anything. Um, I am, if, you, if you're already subscribed, you know I am definitely not averse to replying and uh, discussing things that I either agree or disagree with you with. So um, come on over. It's a fun time. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, so check us out. Yeah, and be, sc- be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or right. you know, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, and leave us a rating and a review that really helps the show get noticed in the larger sense. Um, but, you know, if you're not a podcast person, you can, like Brody mentioned, check out the show on the Men vs. Movies YouTube channel. Uh, so there's, I mean, you go to the, the Words Are Not Enough Twitter page, and there all the links are there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to do it for this show, guys, and hopefully you got your bond fix. I know we sure did, and until next time, take care. From a bird-watching nurse to a line-dancing firefighter, nobody's just one thing. That's why Polar Pop and Froster aren't either. Choose from all kinds of flavors and make your mix. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.